Hello and welcome to episode 4 of How Would You Run That? Dungeons and Dragons podcast and ideas factory with me Lucas Tomlinson and me Jake Hannah. In this podcast we'll be discussing some aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. An encounter, location, trap, puzzle, NPC, PC, god, magic item or really anything that can exist in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Importantly, we'll then be asking each other the question, how would you run that? At the end of each episode, one of us will reveal the topic for the next week and ask the other, how would you run that? Giving us each a week to plan, research and prepare how we would run said thing. This episode is on an order domain cleric. Jake, how would you run that? I'm going to get into that in just a minute, but first I think we need some idle banter (laughs) to pack out the podcast. So, yes, I've got a question for you. Teaspoons, where do they all go? I don't know if it's the same in your house, but our house, you always do like, you always find you lose one item of cutlery the most. For us, it's teaspoons. I don't know where they all are. Yes. And this, ooh, I might get into trouble now. (laughs) Do it. I'm going to reveal the inner workings of the Tomlinson household. <laughs> so I am pretty... I mean, I'm a big tea drinker. Mm. This, is, this, is, this has been something for me for a long, long time. I, I drink, you know, between seven and ten cups of tea a day. That's respectable. And if I were making all the tea myself, I would use a new spoon each time. Okay. Because with the teaspoon, I always think, you know, it's so easy to clean it. It's mm-hmm. not so it's going to take a long time. I mean, on top of that... We have a dishwasher, so like I'm super lazy and just everything goes in there. I would use one teaspoon per round of tea. Sure. My partner Charlotte, on the other hand, <laughs> has a collection of tea bags. Sorry, uh, not to use tea. Well, a collection of tea bags is one thing, but she has a collection of teaspoons. Mm. So you know, you know how you put a hot tea bag in the bin mm. and the steam adds water to the bin and like you know condensation. It's not very nice. So we don't put them straight in the bin. We put them in like a little tiny little bowl. Cool. So cool off, and then when you come to make the next round of tea, you chuck away the tea bags. The teaspoons sit in that bowl with the old tea bags, and they might be there for a couple of days. Wow. Okay. And this, I, it bothers me when I see it, but it's something I'm compromising. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just a. It's just a thing. <laughs> Why is this what you've brought to the table straight away? What's happened? Well, what's happened is I've gone to make a cup of tea. In the interim between, well, I mean, it's obviously been a week since podcast three, but in the in the interim oh, period yes. prior to this recording, I've went to make a cup of tea, and I have long lamented the lack of teaspoons in our house to my partner Abby. Um, she has resolved the problem by purchasing some more teaspoons, which shouldn't need to happen because we have teaspoons. We have always had teaspoons, <laughs> and yet they they're dis- we don't take them out of the house, and yet no teaspoons. Miraculously, over the last, especially since Christmas, maybe pre-Christmas. The numbers have been dwindling. She's recently talked them up, and I went downstairs, opened the drawer, no bloody teaspoon. Are they in circulation? So, like, are they either washed up drying or waiting to be washed? Well, they're not waiting to be washed. I took one directly from the drawer. This is deeply important conversation. but I'm loving it. I'm I, hooked. I, I took one directly from the, the drying area, the, the draining board, because that is where they were. But I can't believe that they're all there. Now, there are quite mm. a few there. But certainly not enough that I would say, oh, that's all of the teaspoons. Okay, so where are the teaspoons? I don't know. That's the question. I don't know what to say to that. I don't it think there's an me. answer. I'm just upset. Hmm. I, I want you to know. 
feel like you've set me up on this big cliffhanger. There's going to be like some reveal where, the, where you're like, I found where they all are. Mystery solved. Well, but you've just left me wanting more. Okay. I will give you semi-regular updates and indeed to our podcast listeners. If I ever discover that maybe the dog's just hiding, maybe bloody loves a teaspoon. I don't know. But <laughs> at some point, you know, maybe spring cleaning will reveal the repository of teaspoons and they're all under the sofa or something. It doesn't matter. I don't know. They're not where they need to be. Although I must say, I definitely don't leave them on the side for two days waiting for the next cup of tea. That is absolute barbarism. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I shouldn't have revealed that. <laughs> I might get in the neck later. <laughs> you know, I'd say I'm almost like between the two of you. I think I could stick with the same teaspoon for like a session. So I could conceivably use that same spoon for the entire evening's worth of tea until the point where I thought, that's got a bit of tannin on it. That's built up. Pretty minging. So, you know what? I'm going to draw another line to that. Maybe four cups. And I think that needs a new tea- teaspoon now. Yeah, I I mean, that would be okay. But my preference was, to, like, I maintain you should have enough teaspoons in the house to, like, be able to cycle through them in a oh, day. Oh, my God. Yes, you should. You absolutely should. And this is the quandary I find myself in now. I'm having to resort to Dutch levels of teaspoon use in order to satisfy <laughs> my tea habit. So when I live in the Netherlands, so like I did a, a semester abroad in, in Germany and also in the Netherlands, hmm. they had like a cultural induction meeting. <laughs> so as part of the introduction to Dutch culture, we were told a few things. And like some of it was about, you know, um, Dutch people have diaries that they, you know, schedule. Like you don't say, do you want to go for a coffee? Like what time today? You say... You know, when do I go for a coffee? And they pull out their diary and find a date for you. Like it was, it was, it was like you know, massively stereotypical things about Dutch students, <laughs> right? And one of the things they told us, and they pointed this out specifically to the British people in the room, was that if you have tea at a Dutch person's house, they will typically use one tea bag for all the teas. I, yeah, your face. You, like, you, <laughs> if only I could describe your face better to the people listening, but like. You, I mean, it was, it's not British tea. So it's not like builder's brew with milk in it. It's, it's yeah. like a herbal tea or like you have a black tea. But basically, you would you have one tea bag and pass it around and everyone would sort of dunk that in their drink. And that's a very normal thing to do. And the advice was, if you like a strong tea, make sure you're near the start of the circle when they start dishing out the tea. Because if you're at the end, it might be a bit weak. Wow. I mean, there's a, an entire nation's worth of people are throwing shade on tea chemists and tea engineers and tea growers and people who've identified the optimum characteristics of the bag such that it can circulate to make one very good cup of tea oh i'm furious mm. well if, if i wasn't going to ne- get it in the neck for the spoon I'm get it in the neck for that story now so i'm in trouble either way well good i'm glad we've committed to that anyway is that enough for idle chatter you had a much bigger and more important question for me, which you've already asked and I've summarily ignored on my teaspoon tirade, so remind me. Yes. Jake, an order domain cleric, how would you run that in any way you want to describe possible? PC, NPC, whatever. Like, How would you make an order domain cleric fit within any context game of Dungeons & Dragons? That's nice and broad, I like it. Okay, mm. so I always say this at the start. I thought about this in a couple of different ways, but why don't you tell me one way, and we'll see if we remember to come back to yours. <laughs> the main way I've looked at this um, this prompt is um, the, the function of this podcast being, you know, like Ideas Factory for DMs in particular. Um, I've tried to look at this as uh, an NPC, 
So mm-hmm. this is somebody in the world who is mechanically identifiable as an order domain cleric, but won't, well, almost definitely won't ever see the light of day as a playable character by anyone other than okay. possibly myself as DM. They might lead the the party or they might be present for some fights and do some things so that they've got like a, a stat block or a character sheet. Um, but that's not necessarily the only way I would think about it as a DM. But we'll start there. So, sure. Order Domain Cleric, as I understand it, this is one of the sort of newer um, domains. So it was Unearthed Arcana a couple of years ago, 2018. Mm-hmm. And... What's come out? It's, it's in um, Tasha's, isn't it now? Tasha's Cauldron. Yes, so it's it, in there. I think it was in um, the Ravinica guide. Yeah, that's where it first was. And then it's come out recently in a new version in Tasha's Cauldron of everything. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's sort of a, a bit of a deviation from your core, you know, cleric is a priest um, sort of archetype or stereotype, I suppose. To take it almost straight out of the, not so much out of the book, but certainly out of the. Um, the online resources available, so your, your D&D Beyonds and Wikidots and what have you. Order Domain represents discipline, um, and in particular devotion to laws governing society. So, or not just society, it could be a, a thing or a thought or what have you. It's more about the, the logic and the how did somebody do something, and they're, they're more about respecting the, the, the hierarchy of uh, well, the order of law and order, rather mm. than necessarily is that deed good or bad. The the morality is kind of set aside, and this is more of a there are laws here, and you're not following them. Now, it's not necessarily the laws of the city. It could be a, you might want to flavor it as I believe in the natural law of all things. Mm-hmm. Therefore, predator and prey, and if anything kind of counters that dynamic, I will enforce my judgment upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be as simple as we live in this town and the town it needs to be needs to have law and order upheld and so they'll take it upon themselves as sort of like knights of justice almost to to see that the right thing is being done where maybe local law enforcement is some somewhat lacking. Mm-hmm. I can see the smile on your face across the video, Lucas. I'm sure that as soon as you describe it in a couple in these ways, there are some pretty big um, inspirations or pr- pr- pretty big um, pop culture references or icons that would sort of fit this dynamic. I think you could very, it's, it's, it's pretty meme, to be honest, as a as a, <laughs> a, a cleric domain. I think you could basically force it into this mold quite easily. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Yeah. And like, I'm smiling because I've asked you, how would you run, play that? Like, how would you run this? Because this is something I want to play myself because I think it's a really cool character type. Yeah, and if not play, then yeah, stick it as an NPC because uh, I don't want to talk too much. Cause I want to see what you're going to say, but mm. it's it's not mechanically going to fit, you know, all the characters you could make it. But in terms of sort of like the idea behind it, you could have it be any sort of vigilante or you know, good guy who follows rules. That's it. Yeah, I think it it takes the idea of cleric has to be pious and priestly. And turns it on its head into something that fits the actual cleric mechanic. You know, they get access to uh, to heavy armor and and melee weapons, so they're all up in people's faces and able to deal you know some some physical damage. But then they also have access to the the cleric um, spell list and a couple of interesting little bits of flavor therein. Yeah, some of the class features are still support mechanics, but they mm. do get a few that 
make them better in close combat as well. And I guess that's that's sort of supported by the ability to wear heavy armor proficiently. Yeah. They've got a role to play in frontline. Yeah. So to answer your first question, how would you run that? I've my first note is I would run that somewhere between Batman and the Crimson Bolt, which if you remember was the character from Super. You know, shut up crime. Oh, that rings a bell. I yeah, so that. this was like 2010. It was Rain Wilson um, playing like a, a not superhero. He had the big the big wrench and he, he basically just, he was like, a, I think he was in, he was like a chef or something. And then he just got thoroughly hacked off with the world and robberies and stuff. And he just took it upon himself to go around being a vigilante in a red suit. And... It was a bit of a pastiche on superhero films and origins and what have you at the time, but it was just extraordinarily funny. How has this passed me by? You've not seen this one? I don't think I've seen this before. Oh, my friend, you need to set aside two hours of your life, get hold of that, and yeah, it's it's basically how I pictured the order domain cleric in, in you know, quoting it, in that it's someone who's upholding a code rather than morality of action, because in Super, things get a little bit dark. You know, there are some some moments where you think some people may not necessarily be good people, but they're certainly sticking to a code. Okay. Yeah, from like an RP perspective, that's how I would set my character up. Mm-hmm. When you say order main cleric, have a little look around. That's what came out to me. My first thought was like Batman or maybe Robocop. That sort of <laughs> you know almost emotionless um, drive to uphold the law. So are we doing a Warforge then? Well, you know what? I hadn't considered a race, but Warforged would be outstanding if you're trying to play Robocop, wouldn't it? You, well, yeah. I mean, it's the fantasy yeah. robot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way of turning a an organic into a Warforged. <laughs> uh, you could have an ar- an armorer artificer. Mm. Um, because they get their super suit. They can be Iron Man. Yeah, but that's that's artificer. That's an artificer on the class or domain cleric. Yeah, yeah. So there are other things that I sort of. The more I got into this, I think okay, right. So I've got my NPC, and they they are going to have this character of they're upholding law, and I've chosen in particular probably like civic law because it was an easy thing to do. So consider the example: you've got a a town that's fallen to lawlessness or something, mm-hmm. and maybe the city guard are corrupt or something's not quite working out, and for whatever reason, this town is. Yeah. Oh, it's Gotham City. No, it's just sort of like fallen to the criminals and that there's a, an underworld that's sort of ruling it and the general populace are somewhat under the thumb. And your parents have died in an alley when you were a child <laughs> and you're resenting, you know, crime generally because of that. So you dress up and beat people over the head with your mace. I mean, yeah, that kind of lines up with this. So you've got someone who, if you wanted to try and make it a little bit more backstory heavy... I didn't go down the the dead parents route. I thought that's been that's been done <laughs> quite a bit with Batman. But maybe mm. consider you've got a okay. You, your your NPC starts off life as a child. Why not? That's how most people start off life. It seems so. Yeah, and maybe their parents were sort of free and easy. Maybe like hippie-ish, or you know they are druidic in nature or something. You've got this idea of of like um no boundaries and freedom and bit carefree, bit naive. Sure, dial it all in. All that, all that sort of like things are good. Everything's okay. There's nothing to really worry about in the world. But this lack of boundaries means this child is is wayward, and it's only mm. when maybe there's some trigger event in the history. But in general, it's just the idea that at some point there's an epiphany, and the idea of 
of order and discipline really appeals to this person. So they they need a reason to to take a vow of clericdom, I suppose. They need a reason to be like, I am now following this path. And it's it's a domain that sort of comes under many of the the god you have to like pick the god of order. It could sort of come underneath um I've I've got the the list here. So uh it's got some order deities as suggestions like for the different settings. To be honest, I'm not familiar with them apart from Bane I've used before. So for me, mm-hmm. I recognise Tyr and Orion, but only as, as names I've certainly looked up as, oh, I need a god real quick. Mm. But they're not just dedicated to order. It's just that the order domain falls within the, the overwatch of these various um, folks of the Pantheon. Yeah, so it's like it's like um, Oath of the Crown for the Paladin. You know, it's, exactly, it's not necessarily yeah. god-specific, but you could stick a god in there if you wanted to, to sort of yeah. explain it a little bit. Because like, they do have divine magic, so there's got to be a source for that somewhere. Yeah, that's quite it. So what is that sort of defining moment then that made them follow this new code and like the strict, you know, adherence to criminal justice that they didn't get from their life before now? I reckon they'd need to be like a mentor of sorts because the backstory I've given this character is one of, of waywardness and lack of boundary and lack of focus so i'm thinking like you need like a mr miyagi character to turn up or mm. qui-gon Jin to settle them down and say look this is how you wax on wax off and if you do this you get results <laughs> okay so are they getting beat up by some of the local bullies or are they are we given a criminal background are they like the, they were initially the the wrongdoer and then they got caught and reprimanded and Ooh. you know and that's what sort of like turned them Okay, so maybe they they were they were they were committing some petty misdemeanor. Trying, they were falling in the wrong crowd, and they were stopped by another order domain cleric, one who's maybe getting towards the the mm-hmm. end of their career or the end of their lifespan or something. And it's like I need to pass this on, and you miscreants are gonna fall into line. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're, fun, yeah. they're they're causing trouble in town. You know, this is before the setting takes a, a, a downward turn to become fantasy fantasy Gotham. Yeah, and he's sort of set straight by this guy. He thinks, you know, a bit rebellious maybe, but like, you know, he sees in that moment the error of his ways and just the fact this guy wields actual magic, you know, that's pretty cool. I mean, that could also sort of like get him on board to to, to learn the ways of, of uh, an old cleric. It could. I mean, wouldn't that excite you in, in any way if you've, you've given some sort of Absol- mentor yes. who command yes. any sort of supernatural force is pretty yeah. bloody wild absolutely i mean it, yeah yes obviously the answer is yes <laughs> would you like magic yes. if someone did magic in front of me i would join his cult that's like, like that's that's a given <laughs> but in the world of dungeons and dragons where magic is a real thing and the gods are proven to exist through displays of divine magic yeah like depending on where you are and like how magic heavy the setting is like that's still pretty bloody impressive hmm so yeah, I could see how, you know, delinquent, not a lot to do, you know, no boundaries from parents, no real ambition or goal or something, suddenly finds yeah. purpose in learning how to manifest divine magic through controlling himself and being just. Yeah, and that's the thing to latch on to, because you could be any old kind of cleric, you could be any old kind of magic user if you come across the right mentor. Specifically, I think the thing that needs to appeal to the character, it needs to be like a core trait in any of their dialogues or any of their doings their actions 
is that there's some appeal about the idea of law and order. That, that obviously that's, that's core to the to the cleric's domain, so it's important that it's in there. But certainly, as part of their background, there's something about yeah, I was turned on to the idea of structure and discipline and order, mm-hmm. and this is how things should be. And if they're not like that, it's an aberration that must be dealt with. Okay, so is it then? Do we sort of play on the fact that an ordinary cleric isn't just goody goody? Mm-hmm. to shoot like has to do everything like you know piously and fantastically like because they are they can be a bit renegade and a bit dark and sort of like you yeah. know from their perspective the means justify the ends you know they can have that sort of more extreme yeah, you know, yeah. i will kill the bad guys because i'm saving the poor folk or whatever like rather than i'm gonna bring them to justice yeah i guess i think the way i'm gonna set this one in in our setting or in this scenario is that for whatever reason, the law enforcement of the town, the, the the civic guard or what have you, are just not up to snuff. So they yeah. are corrupt. They are lazy, lackluster. They're not going to go down the dark alleys and the side streets because they know they're just going to get beaten up, so they're kind of cowardly as well. So there okay. are pockets of this city or of this setting where everything's allowed to run rife and chaos is sort of sown because of a lack of structure and a lack of discipline in those that should be upholding the law. Okay, and the people of the town are aware of this, and those that can afford to not live in those areas don't. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of people that suffer at the hand of all this crime and corruption in the city. Yes. What we call in the city? Can't call it fancy, fancy Gotham. Good question. Um, I'm going to use one of my favourite online generators, the fantasynamegenerators.com. This place is going to be called Magfall. Magfall? Yeah. Okay, so the city of Magfall, where crime is rife. What are we calling Mr. Miyagi? Are we just calling him Miyagi? Like, is that his name? <laughs> I think I need a different name for him as well. Oh, hang on. What was Robocop's real name? Ooh, that's good. Are we having the old Warforged being the, the teacher? Robocop's the inspiration. Ooh, okay, okay. Robocop is Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> That's a cinematic universe I want to live in. <laughs> Thank you for that. Give me time to, to Google in the background. I've got my name. Um, my Warforged um, mentor is going to be called Morphe. Morphe. After Alex Murphy. Murphy, that's it. Morphe. Or Murphy or something. Why not? The city is Magfall. It's Murphy of Magfall. Murphy of Magfall. And he's a Warforged. Yes, yeah, And he's an old cleric. He's Nord's the main cleric. He's Warforged. We're going to figure out how he has like the handgun in the leg. That's that's a prop problem for later. Don't worry about that. Okay. So so Murphy is is brutal and he's serious on crime, and that's what leads him. Uh, our, our our character, who we've not named yet, leads yep. him to Murphy because he's a delinquent. He's causing trouble. Yeah. Okay. So who is our character? Well. I have given them a name, but I kind of want to reveal it in the narration at the end because I've got okay. a bit of a setup planned. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, the way I've got the whole narration thing set up for later is more of a an introduction that the the characters or the the party when they first meet this NPC is more of that level of introduction, okay. so they're established by then. If it's going to take away from the description later, save it, and we have to like listen on to, to find out what it is. Yeah. Okay. In the short term, just just call him Andy. Andy's a good name. Right. Andy, Andy and Murphy. Cool. <laughs> so what race is Andy? Because this is currently an NPC, 
I want their focus to be, you know, from a from a thematic perspective, I want the focus to be the fact that they are the Order Domain Cleric. So I almost don't want anything um, racial, I suppose, to detract from it. So in that case, I would also discount Dragonborn. I'm saying, you're not a dragon who happens to like this kind of thing. Um, I, I want the the focus on law and order to be the the driver. So it almost make them seem relatively mundane. And for that reason, I would probably stick with some of the the more vanilla typical races. So you're talking you're, you're very inhuman, half orc, something that can hold enough muscle to do something, but on their own would seem yeah, mundane is, is almost the right word, or you know, so so typical that the thing that sets them apart and makes them interesting is the fact that they are this cleric. Okay. So let's 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 go human then. And just just before we like we said variant human a couple more times, we said regular human. Like mm. what feats would go well for a variant human because like variant humans so good in my eyes the fact that you could take a feat straight off from level one yeah warcast is almost a must isn't it yeah well let's just do that then just for simplicity let's just go warcast variant human level one yeah you could do anything to boost the con there's a, a feat like a resilience feat or something to get your constitution. It's similar to Warcaster, but it's just making sure you don't lose that concentration because this gets into the mechanics of how they they fight, I suppose, a bit more. But the whole focus of the order domain-specific spells seem to be about locking down single foes with kind of flavoured charm magic. So it's your hold persons, it's dominate person, it's Mm -hmm. things like that that will require a degree of concentration. So you don't want to lose that. Yeah, they've got a lot of concentration things, definitely. Okay. Warcaster makes sense. Let's go with Warcaster, because that's, okay, so that's got... the same thing. It's about maintaining concentration. Cool. Okay. So we've got a human. What do Have you thought about what they look like? Okay. Um, they are reasonably lanky. Their head is <laughs> sort of not disproportionately large, but you look at it and you go, that guy's got a big head. Okay. Um, short hair that's kind of greased over general sort of urchin um they're okay. gonna wear a like a leather doublet will be the only thing that really sets them apart from the world okay <laughs> okay cool until until they get their heavy armor and their proficiency or something so you're like lanky oh. greasy bubble-headed guy i like yeah. him he's, he's yeah. a memorable npc already <laughs> okay yeah that wraps it up that's all i need to know i've got yeah. a picture in my head of what andy looks like well not andy okay so, you've thought about mechanics, you said then? A bit, yeah, but I've, I kind of more wanted to pitch this one back and forth a bit more. So I've, I've got this idea of a, of a core character, but I'm hoping that we can maybe think of some scenarios or some reasons from its existence to how they respond. Okay. So why would this NPC be of any use to your party, or what, what, what do they do thematically? So this is for any DMs that want to run them, or for any players that might decide they want to run them. We already mm-hmm. hinted at the fact that they are about it seems more single foes than multiple foes but it's you've got your your regular buffing cleric stuff that you would normally have and your regular healing but all the order domain things are focused let's say on locking down single foes maybe ones that you go toe-to-toe with but i think one of the best things it's the thing that sets them apart for me is that first level voice of authority yeah voice of authority what's it what they called um class feature that thing is cool as hell it comes in straight away first level, you've got it. This is your thing for being that kind of cleric. So it's got to be first level or higher, i.e. not a cantrip, but as long as you target an ally with your spell, they can immediately use their reaction to do an attack. Um, 
against a, a creature of choice that you can see. So you, the cleric, have to be able to see the thing. They have to be attackable by an ally, and you can say, here's your healing word with my bonus action. By the way, hit him again. <laughs> they don't have to take it, but yeah, you can. You don't have to compel them, but you, you're giving them the opportunity for a free hit. What an excellent way to spike your damage. Do you think you, you combine that with rogue? Yeah, that's the, the thing I read the most places. Like, if your rogue's in a position to proc sneak attack, because they are, you know, that there are multiple allies in combat or in melee combat with a particular foe, and then your cleric at the back of the, the thing is also healing word, get you back upon your feet, and also attack again, plus sneak attack. It's great for action economy. Yeah, that's it. You've got a huge like damage spike potential, as well mm. as your regular, you know, blessing and healing and what have you regular buffing cleric stuff reactions i guess i guess it's because i mainly play a battle master fighter you know mm. reactions for me can be parry and and repast and stuff but i guess yeah. for most characters there's not a lot to do with reactions no. except for maybe like you know opportunity attack if someone's running away that's your main use really isn't it yeah so having a different use for that you know, and it's not just it's not giving up your action to do it because you're getting a spell off that, that can buff them in some way or heal them. Yeah. So yeah, I really like it. And I, I think it's something about Tasha's generally, like a lot of the classes in here have features and abilities that are aimed at synergizing with yes. the party, like like buffing each other or helping each other in some way. Um and I sort of I sort of wish I'd read like it'd come out before before I picked my last character <laughs> for our campaign. <laughs> I feel like um my character doesn't do that. He he absolutely just looks out for himself. Yeah, which is fun. But I like yeah. I I sort of look at these enviously. Like I wish I could do some of this stuff. That's the thing. Yeah, the, some of these things that are coming out now are. It's because they don't just use the existing um, spells or features or things. It's not just like mm. reaching into the pot of features and throwing them at a class and saying, okay, we've all got the same source or the same stock of features and the ranger happens to be good at these things and the monk happens to be good at these things mm-hmm. but they all exist in that world this is almost like a reflavoring of how you use the reaction fantastic there's other ones about you know changing um the the guidance um spell you know the, the ability yeah. to to buff an ability check normally that's a touch range spell but there are some things that okay now you can do that over 30 feet that's not the order domain cleric but just things like that that will just spin and reflavor existing things mm-hmm. just to give everything it doesn't ruin the balance but it, it as you say it helps synergize it gives people things to do with bonus actions with reactions it isn't just punch them again it yeah. turns them out of you know combat characters who are shoehorned into role-playing scenarios and it gives them a more well-rounded character and a reason to do these other things and reason to use some of these spells that are often you know, suboptimal in a deal-the-damage scenario. Mm-hmm. I guess more on that a little bit later as you start getting <laughs> up the levels. As soon as you was at 6th level, the next um, main class feature for your order domain. Uh, oh, we're skipping over level 2. You get your channel divinity at level 2 as a cleric. I am skipping over channel divinity, yes. Because I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I know you mentioned a few times like uh, this, this, this is aimed at like what single target, but I guess this this specific channel divinity wouldn't be. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, each creature of your choice you can see that can uh, see or hear you within thirty feet must make a wisdom save or be charmed by you. So like yeah. that's that's a bit of crowd control. It is actually. Yeah, you're right. That that's one of the things that isn't just single foe or single whatever you. 
by applying that, it's it's a little bit more interesting, and it does give them a reason to go in there and do some some melee punching. It's like I'm going to charm divinity, and there's an AOE around me. Mm. If if they're the kind of foes that can be charmed, it's quite. I think it's quite cool, and you can just you can thematically visualize how it's happened. They sort of run into battle, and they've smashed down. The divine energies come out, and they are imposing their will on the 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 more feeble-minded creatures around them. I think that, that just plays into this whole archetype of upholding law and order. I think it's brilliant. It's mm. been really well I, put together. I think you're imagining it similar to me. Like they are just incredibly intimidating. Yeah, force yeah. force of will. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, the bonus proficiency at the start is intimidation or persuasion. It's like, yes, you're not you're not taking persuasion. Like, <laughs> you want you're taking intimidation. Like, you're going to be scary. Yeah, people are going to do what you say because you shout at them, not because you ask them nicely. It's interesting you say that. So I hadn't actually decided which way I was going to jump with Andy's character, purely okay. because I have in mind something, and I know that certainly for your for the Batman build, intimidation, hundred percent. Because you know, swear to me, they are justice. They're going to go in and they're going to do the damage, and they're going to try and intimidate those around. And it, it sort of plays into that that Dark Knight character. But the persuasion side of things, I think, also thematically sort of works. If you, you okay, I'm going to now skip over the Child Divinity, the sixth level one, the embodiment of law. You cast an enchantment spell. Um, you can do it with your bonus action, provided it's a you know, first level or higher. First level? Yeah, first level higher. Um, yeah, it's spell slot ones. So not yes. Yeah. The reason I think that's interesting is because rarely, well, I say rarely, in combat, if you've got the opportunity to do some damage or cast hold person, I think the vast majority of the time you want to be doing some damage. You might want to get the last hit, you might want to get the kill, or what have you. Hold person is more of a controlling thing that you might do to lock down somebody to allow your allies to finish them off. But I think it's a little bit underused whereas if you're saying you can do this as your bonus action you've now got the opportunity to not squander your entire action still do something that you feel contributes core but then with your bonus action apply something that's a little bit more class feature so you can imagine Mm. going up and punching someone in the face and then doing a control spell of some sort some sort of um domination of mind or something and you're just like trying to punch him in the face and like now get on the ground or now run away or now whatever and you think yeah okay maybe there's still intimidation but I think there are ways to roll persuasion into that as well there's a few ways of looking I mean you can you can use it with voice of authority you know like you yeah. use the bonus action to do a spell to one of your allies they get to attack then you get an action as well you know that's good but like with whole person I, I really like whole person's spell like the fact that you can just incapacitate someone and get advantage on all the attacks until it's their go again so I'd say, depending on the initiative order, you know, if this guy's not going to go for a while, mm. definitely cast whole person as a bonus action. Give him a thunk yourself. Let everyone else pile in. Have a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know he has to pass it again next time. And if you got your wisdom high, then they're not going to be, you know, they're going to be they're going to be failing. Yeah. The core bit then for me is by by allowing you to do that with your bonus action, it just frees up your core action to be doing. Other things, so you feel like you're you're in the game, and you're not just the oh, I'll just hold them, and mm. everyone else can do the punch. You don't get to use your guiding bolts because clerics are only meant to heal, that sort of thing. Yeah. You get you get to move out of that Ooh. rut, you know. I hadn't thought of that because obviously, like, yeah, people people sort of like look towards clerics as the main healers, and like with this, yeah. you can still be the healer. 
give people extra buffs when you heal them because they can attack again. Yeah. And then, ooh, I just realized. Is it a melee? Does it specify melee attack? Weapon For attack? The... No, you weapon could... attacks. It could be range. Yeah, so it could. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so if you've got someone with a bow and arrow. Yeah, okay. That's something I hadn't thought about. Um, but what I wanted to say was, yeah, you can, you can still dish out the heals as a bonus action. You know, you get the extra benefit of when you do that, people can also attack if there's someone in range. Yeah. And you can still do something you want to with an action. Like, yeah. It just makes you like a real, not, not a Swiss Army knife, that's always like a terrible fashion, but like, it makes you really versatile. <laughs> like they can do a bit of everything. Yeah. I like this idea that you're there in combat and it, you, you kind of like the you're not dead yet medic rather than the oh I will just <laughs> give out all the heals because I want to keep my party alive. It's like get back up and get in the fight. Like Ramirez, go and kill all the things and you're just picking them back <laughs> up, you know? It's the it's the D&D equivalent of a uh, stim pack thing. Like, you know, just like... Yes! Just stab it in the chest. Stab like... it in, get up there and keep <gasps> punching. And while, you, while you're standing up, stick the knife in for goodness sake. <laughs> We've got law to uphold. This is how you do it, and you sort of get get have a go yeah, yourself. Yeah, they get stuck in. It's, it's I've got this real sort of Warhammer medic combat medic sort of thing in my mind. You know, Space Marine level of maybe that's an unfair comparison. Mm. That's good. Well, I'll just like reading it again. You could even you could do your bonus action, like basically a quicken spell. You do it as a bonus action. Then yeah. use your action to cast another spell. So yeah. you could even like double up on spells. It, that's that's really powerful. I know it's like limited to the number of times you the wisdom modifier, but as long as like you're yeah. not neglecting that. I'm liking this class more and more. I'm glad I picked it this this, this week. Okay, so next up we've got Divine Strike. Yeah, that just looks like an absolute blast, doesn't it? Eighth level. It's basically it's like a smite. It's a version of smite, but you're getting to add in some psychic damage, um, which increases again when you get to another level. And that's fine, that's okay. That's bonus damage to, to doing the hit once every time your turn rolls around. Yeah. But it's when you get 17th level. Okay, not many people are going to get up to 17th mm. level, but Order's Wrath, that sort of capstone feature, that trait, that ability, whenever you do that Divine Strike, and what well, you damage a creature with the Divine Strike damage, you kind of curse it until the start of your next turn. So for an entire combat round, any time one of your allies hits that cursed creature, it also takes additional psychic damage. Now that sounds like it's craziness but i suppose if you're at 17th level you're going to be hitting crazy enemies so the yeah. ability to pile on another 2 8 2 d8 psychic damage per attack in on there again if you think this is on a single target if you're thinking that you know the, you've got your core bad guy and you've you've dealt with the minions or someone's holding the minions away this allows you to really wail on a character especially mm. if you've done that as your action bonus action healing word rogue get that sneak attack in as well would you oh and by the way add in the psychic damage oh and by the way add in this i think it's <laughs> You just get Every some real time. damage spike opportunities. I really like it. Like I'm not so bothered about all of the domain, the, the order domain spells that it gives you. Like mm. some of them are good. Like hold person, I definitely take myself. Zone of truth, yeah. just because of the adventure zone. Yeah, like that's that's all I want it for. Um, Slow, that's a big deal. Just you know, debuff people, that's quite nice. Yeah, I guess. I guess like the thing is with it, a lot of them are concentration spells. Like, you've, yeah. you've really got to pick and choose, especially if it's spells that you're casting. On your party, it's like you know, if you're thinking of like, um, like buffing them in some other way rather than healing for you bring a, a standard bless in there or something, yeah, yeah, like like regular buffs that you know, those things like I think like buffs like that are underutilized because people think spells they want to deal damage, but like, yeah, things like bless really, I don't know, I like again, I need to play a support class, I need to stop playing tanks, yeah. <laughs> 
play a character in another campaign where yeah you've got bless and bane as options there and the number of times it comes in clutch i mean often i say the number of times it comes in clutch whenever it makes a difference it feels like it makes a real difference you know often you think oh mm. don't forget to add the d4 for bless don't forget to add the d4 and it's fine they're gonna like smash the check anyway but the one time it makes a difference everyone's like yeah praise the cleric <laughs> yeah so don't forget there was i mean the simple first level little pick-me-ups but yeah don't don't malign them don't be afraid to use these extra spells and when you've got these extra domains for clerics and it, it's it would be foolish to waste them you, you wouldn't be an order cleric and just be dishing out the heels and not using voice of authority every opportunity you've got mm. you know i think some of these unique features really make them shine and certainly make them fun to play they give you a reason to do these other things yeah well and maybe we should go back to the character then because uh we've got lanky bobblehead not handy <laughs> we've talked about what he'll build what he will eventually be able to do i'm guessing he's not he's not tapped all that power when, when uh, we first meet him as an npc no i think when when your characters arrive when your party arrive if there is only one person being the cleric in this town city setting you know it doesn't matter how wide it is if there's only a few of them or they are not super common then they will need to have a degree of strength i think i would put them on a par with the party when they first turn up just because if they were going to go palling around together makes sense they they know roughly the level that they should be pitched at you know so the whatever the party is they rock up so we've got we've got our little variant human he's been trained by marthy he's a bit gangly yeah marthy's gone now marthy's out of the picture what happened to marthy marthy Oh, let's make it let's make it epic. No, he hasn't he hasn't like retired and gone away. He in the final night of meditation before Andy gets his cleric badge. Ooh, and it's a whole ceremony then. Yeah, everything's being set at the night before and some of the like the, the major crime syndicates across the land, the one that everyone's heard of, mm. is sick of all these renegades, vigilante clerics taking up arms against them and ruining their plans and so they they go straight for the top they want to cut off the, the head of the beast yeah and so night before the ceremony they assassinate Murphy in his sleep they send in a bunch of assassins it all happens and it's just like bam done so andy didn't oh. get his graduation andy did not get his badge he's out there trying to prove that he deserves his badge and he will never give it to himself he needs the party to come along on this final quest and at some <laughs> point convince him that he's good enough to take up the badge and take up Murphy's legacy fantastic so i guess Murphy's been sort of operating in the shadows for years going undetected but as he's taken yeah. not andy under his wing you know his activity has sort of escalated because he's had to take him out to train him to sort of show him the ropes and that's brought him to the attention of said crime syndicate. That's it, yeah. He's, he's exposed himself to some degree and mm-hmm. he's also having to shield this junior at the same time so he's taking more risks and he's he's being a bit more visible to take the heat off the, the Padawan, as it were. Can we do some classic learning moment for Not Andy where he's gone against the teachings that Murphy has given him. Mm-hmm. So like, he's oh, spared... Like from the path a little bit. He's spared someone or something, or like, let someone get away because, I don't know, they, they see, like, you know, this crime syndicate, like, they're dirty. They're dirty, dirty. And they use children for stuff's sake. And like, Ooh. you know, while Murphy and not Andy were taking down a group of ruffians, you know, 
someone pulled a dagger on them and as he went to swing his mace at his face he sees like this kid is obviously like you know pretty young and he sort mm. of he stops himself and the kid seeing how close he came to a big thunk in the face drops it and runs away and that's maybe how they're discovered or something oh i was gonna flip it the other way until you said discovered so i was gonna say maybe murphy's teaching is more of a you know, kill if you have to, but we're here to uphold the law. And remember, I didn't kill you and I had the chance. I took you under my wing. So mm. if, the, if the, you know, preserve innocence, because that is the path to a good law and order established society. And okay. it, you know, in my instance, he, he, he takes the head off the kid because he thinks I'm going to fucking have you. Oh, right. Okay. So it's that recklessness. I'm going to take you down. He's like, no, I, I taught you better than this. And he's like fallen from grace at that moment. But... Okay. There are other ways for the discovery to come through. There is a a character reason that I want him to need to okay. come back towards the path of, not pacifism, but definitely come back towards the path of you don't have to kill everything. Okay, so we are doing the Batman don't kill everything then? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Although I think Batman must throw that with you know, completely out the window a number of times. I mean, have you played any of the Arkham games? definitely kills all these thugs yeah well is it yeah i mean <laughs> i got no argument for that but supposedly he doesn't use guns no and supposedly he doesn't kill people if i don't look at you when you die it's not my fault that's it he's, he's like he's not saved you he's just let you die yeah i'm sorry that was physics's fault not mine <laughs> yes okay so so not andy is gonna be that's interesting from a roleplay perspective as well. If you're not killing everyone you fight, if you do the like the, the final blow, but you you know you specify it's your thing that you do non-lethal damage, like you can yeah. at any time, yeah. then you're going to have a lot of people left over at the end of fights. Well, maybe not necessarily loads, but like you're definitely going to have a like you know probably one to two a combat depending on how many people you're facing. Yeah, I think the, the important thing to draw there for me is that thematically. When it's appropriate, he doesn't kill. So if it's the case of this is a child who's been, he's under duress to hold up this person, or you know, it's like the Aladdin story, he's trying to steal the the bread for the family, or you know, something like that, where you think this is a, an act of desperation, not an act of wanton disregard for the rules. If you uh-huh. think there's a teachable moment, then you should take it. However, if there is no redemption, or if you think these people are on a path and they are not diverging, they are crime through and through mm. then do what you gotta do okay so in those scenarios in the case of well not the lesser evil but the, the greater good can be done by ending you rather than trying to redeem you yeah i'd say let's go for like 95 percent kill ratio okay cool so it's still pretty bad in combat then. yeah in yeah. combat like they're not messing about when you're fighting the badans they are going to dispatch the badans but i think if if you're chucking some children into combat or if there was some... some That's dark. Well, yeah, it is dark. Maybe that's not what I mean. But if you're chucking in someone that you thought there might be an opportunity or maybe like once per um, outing with Andy, there might be like a, we don't kill this one because they look like they are sorry or have information or you know, change of heart. There's just some reason to keep somebody alive even if it's just so the party can interrogate them for information yeah that sort of thing but in theme in character it's like we don't have to kill everybody okay gotcha but nine times out of ten I will okay (laughs) so you've touched on this idea that you've got more of his backstory planned out 
What else are you thinking for Andy? Murphy's dead. He's out of the picture. After which yeah. he takes up, takes it on himself to prove himself worthy of the badge of this thing. Even though he's already able to channel the divine energies of a god, doesn't necessarily care which one. Yeah. You don't go straight in at Jedi Knight, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I know. You still have access to the Force. Okay, so you're channeling some... You're channeling one of the gods as power. Sure, and I think that you could explain that away by being you know, lower level. It's only when you hit level 17 that you are a true master of the order of domain. You know, when you get that, that final ability, you think, okay, you are now a true don of this sphere. Yeah, I mean, like, low-level low level, low level uh, divine casters aren't necessarily recognized by their gods, even if they're devout followers for, like, Quite. a long time. Yeah. But, so Marfi, Marfi will have had... He'll have been... A bit more clued upon said god, whichever one it is. Yep. Okay, cool. How much is that going to play into like his daily life into role play? Like, do does in like in channeling this god's power, do they hold that god in any way? Do they, you know, do they praise them? Do they have any sort of rituals as part of their sort of routine? Andy, and the way he was taught by Murphy. They are less about the ritualistic prayer because the entire thing about the order domain is that, I think we phrased it at the start, that it's not about what you do, it's about how you do it. It's about the intention and the plan. You know, are, are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right actions? Prayer can be empty in, in their minds, and so they're much better serving their God by practicing the teachings. Yeah. Okay, sure do rather than action speak louder than words i think is the phrase i was looking for in the back of my mind it's like uh, yeah. by by doing it we are getting the message across we we don't have to sit there and spend time meditating on the fact some followers of tear will do you know they everyone's got a different way but Murphy's approach was you know, get stuff done yeah and those and those actions specifically have to be beating up bad guys or well, maybe killing bad guys rather than being thankful to said God for empowering them. So, okay. Yes, it's more like the, the, the reflection of the, the gifts bestowed upon them. You, 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 are, you show your gratitude by using them as you should, which is to uphold the natural law or the, the civic law that they've chosen to uphold. Okay, so back to, back to Murphy then. So yeah. Murphy was, so he was training Andy. Yeah. And they were sort of escalating their operations against the crime syndicate. What was Murphy's goal? Did was he sort of like building up to take out the syndicate, or was it just like low-level disruption? Okay, Murphy's goal would be ultimately to take it out, but only because as he becomes a more and more successful cleric and in held in higher esteem by by his god by Tyr, he feels as though it, the only way to reward those gifts is to take down bigger targets. So it's all well and good okay. softening up thugs, but you can't just grind your way to level 20 by punching sewer rats. At some point, you've got to start hunting bigger game, and as, as you become a bigger player, you need to seek out equal opponents. Does he have like a conspiracy board back at his place with <laughs> strings connecting the various people that he's taking out? 
yeah, now he does. Does he have a Does he have a guy in the chair that's like collecting information for him? <laughs> <laughs> does he have Q? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what's What's his What's his spiel? What's his stick? Where's he hang out? Where's he live? Like, what's What's his deal? What, where Where are we? Like, sort of like you know when we're talking about the backstory of Andy and like when he's like, oh, my time with Marthy. Like, where What are we What are we imagining? They have a place that looks down on um, the city of Marfell. Marfell? Magfell. Magfell. They've got a they've got a place where they're able to look down. It's either a building up a hill, or it's a particularly tall building. Maybe it's like the, the bell tower of a church or something. They're able to survey the the, the city of of Magfell to some degree, and okay, it affords them the Batman like opportunities to get from place to place. A little quicker because they're starting from some center. Have you ever played um, like Dishonored or yeah. Thief, that sort of thing? You know, you, you, your your hideaways are somewhere central and with good visibility of of areas. It would make sense if they're in a bell tower. Let's say it's the bell tower of a church, <laughs> maybe two tier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and, Why and not? that's that's the cover. You know, like you know, if anyone were to try and suss out where they're from, all the bloody cleric, like the priests. Like the regular, like non-divine magic wielders of said yeah. temple, they would cover for you. They would hide you away, like all the people that were in that place. Maybe like you know the regular people that followed that god. They would also not want to give you up. You could be known to the people, but that location be a secret that the crime syndicate can't necessarily find out until said fatal moment for Murph. Marf, Murphy, Murphy. Yeah, that's why I keep calling Murphy. <laughs> Okay, so okay, let's say this is a church of tier. Okay, so they've got some some acolytes who run the church, and this is about. I mean, tiers or the people that worship him are all about upholding law wherever they travel, um, judgment, ruling that sort of thing. Mm. So maybe I suppose they would still be clear about the god they're worshiping. So you're not going to get like people coming to confession or similar at the church of tier, and then. Oh, all of a sudden we now have informants in the forms of these confessions. That that would be hmm. wrong. That wouldn't be the right thing to to do. And especially if you knew, oh, this is the Church of Tear. Why would we go and tell them our secrets? Because they're just going to tell us if it's against the law. <laughs> yeah, but you could still have you know people going there for regular services, where you know the theme is to be a good person by doing what you're supposed to do, and don't be swayed by, you know, don't be corrupted by said syndicate. We should give the yeah. syndicate a name. We should give the them. syndicate a name. What's a good syndicate? I mean, we're back to bandits, aren't we? It's a group of bandits. It's a crime, people. What crime are they doing? Are they running like a, a, a security gig? They are doing all the crime. Oh my goodness. I, was, <laughs> I didn't want to start with that because I was worried that's where I was going to end up. Yeah, if you can think Frig. of the crime, they're, they're, they're going right from, you know, Bootlegging. Capital murder. They've got, yeah, they're bootlegging. They're ripping off all the bards' local tunes. They, they're they jaywalking as well. <laughs> Just like organized jaywalks. There are some disorganized jaywalks, which are even worse because that is pure chaos. Would be downloaded in that. <laughs> yeah, would you download a horse? <laughs> I mean, you could find Steed if you had the right class. <laughs> find Steed is, that- is just download car, <laughs> it's the fantasy equivalent. If you took Fine Steed 
and took it into like a cyberpunk scenario or the matrix or something yeah of course it's download car okay so they're up in their church that's their digs but the crime syndicate yeah. all the crime they need a name um i quite like the crime syndicate it's to the point like they're the not about are we spelling it differently though are we not like 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 is it is it is it, or is it spelt crime syndicate but pronounced differently so it sounds something else? <laughs> they're committing the worst crime that they're misspelling their own name. It's the crim syndicate. <laughs> Let's have a look. Wikipedia is a good place to look for organised crime. Let's have a look at some big deal organised crimes and turn them around. I mean, I like I like the crimis and darker. The crimis and darker. Yeah. If you left it at crim syndicate, it sounds a little bit like grim. Let's, let's do Crimson Darker, because they got Grim and Dark. Nice. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. <laughs> okay, so we've got the Crimson Darker. We've got Murphy trading up Andy uh, using the Temple of Myrrh as a base of operations. They've got their, their, their overview of the, the city of Magfell. And, okay, so he's, like, building up and he wants to take out the Syndicate. He's trading up Andy. And he's like getting to the point where he's ready to sort of do his right initiation with like, and all the guys in the church are in on that as well. Like it's a, it's going to be a big deal, but like a secret big deal in the church. Yeah. Uh, but the night before, because of this event where Andy has been a bit too brutal and killed someone he shouldn't have done, what if Andy, in his in his haste to do justice, has killed someone maybe that's like a pretty rookie, like you know, low level nothing, but He's got a family, you know, and that's sort of spooked the family and like turned them a little bit and they rat him out. And that's why Murphy gets assassinated in the night. Uh, okay. Yeah. Is that where we're at? I think that's where we're at. I was between that or bystander, but then the bystander's got no reason to dob them in, to, to rat them out, to dob them in. Yeah. There's, there's nothing mm. to be gained there. So yeah, I think it's going to be someone involved in the Crimson Darky. Okay, cool. So that's where we're at. How are we introducing Andy now? The, the the lone, you know... To the party? Yeah, like, in, in, in his post Murphy days. Okay. How long is, is, is he going on his own before he meets the party? Or is, it, or is Murphy's death still pretty uh, raw in the memory? Um, no, but by the time the party come along, I reckon Andy is sort of late 20s early 30s that sort of age so he's sort of mid-career okay so he's been going alone for a while just a car he's been going for a while yeah a good i don't know 10 years let's say in the past and he still carries the weight of of murphy's assassination and the mm. lack of his own graduation okay because he had to leave the church temple of tear yep. you know that was bloody sacked you know that they weren't going to let things carry on there the, the crimson darky no, the place was burnt down. The purple and blue robes were ripped to shreds, and a real example was made of the Church of Tyr. Mm. So we had to go underground, possibly, possibly yeah. literally. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Well, he is actually he's left the main city of Magfell. Oh no! Westmere, a once civilized frontier town ravaged by demonic fiends. A party of adventurers once came through here and cleared them all out, and then left the populace to rebuild. However, the seeds of chaos planted, the town fell to lawlessness. Without strong leadership, crime and corruption took hold, and now reigns unopposed. A back alley behind a dusty saloon. 
an elf has been dragged back here for a beating by two humans. The elf coughs and spits blood as heavy fists rain blows on his gaunt frame. Readying a haymaker, one of the humans suddenly freezes in position, fists raised but just never falling. The voice of Sheriff Woodruff reverberates in the alley with unnatural power. <laughs> Woodruff. Andy Woodruff. You see what I've gone for here? Mmm. I get it. It's a snake movie. <laughs> and Andy works so well because that's what's on his boot. Oh, it's come full circle. I love it. Is that why you picked Andy earlier? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been too good a coincidence. No, just dropping in, dropping in the seeds. Oh, I love it. Fantastic. Andy Woodruff. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, it sort of like harks back to that picture of the Dragon Ball with the uh, the sheriff's badge as the shield. Like that's that's the image yeah. I had. Like he's a bounty hunter. He's fucking tough and yeah. does what the fuck he wants. That's it. I'm not going to lean too hard on him being Woody from Toy Story, but I just thought it'd be funny. Yeah, that's great. That's why he's lanky. Oh, see, I was imagining like a Steve Merchant s character, but now he's like ah. he's like just a humanoid Woody, and that's so good. <laughs> And now I'm just thinking about all the, you know, like there's all those pictures of like the Woody toy with the sort of the smiling head, like in all the places he shouldn't be. <laughs> oh. So that's the thing. He's he's left the city. He's out somewhere else, just like doing low level thuggery, you know, dealing with you know basic stuff below his his capability. You know, he, Never staying in one be- place too long. He's bigger and better than this, exactly, yeah, and he's on the move all the time, so mm. when the party comes across, there's like a simple thing to do, and if they want to dive into his backstory, then they can get the quest of defeat Crimson Darky mm. and restore the honour of the Church of Tear or something like that. He's a really easy NPC to stick in with the party, because you yeah. just have to have them in any sort of encounter with bandits or any sort of like, you know, law- like, hum- like lawless human lives like crime people crime people civilized criminals crime people criminals (laughs) what about practitioners of the not law (laughs) ne'er do wells and uh he like would obviously just turn up and start beating them with his mace because that's what he does that's his thing you guys are hunting bad guys too as am I. Let's team up. I like and... hunting bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh. Let's hunt bad guys together. Yeah. Have you heard of the, the Crimson Darky? <laughs> and the, yeah, but you could, you could, and you could, they, the party would be like, yes, we have heard of them because, you know, they've encountered a group of them or, you know, they found. I really like, like I, I can go back to it. I like letters to. Sort of deliver story and, and sort of direct the party, but yeah, mm. if they were ambushed on the road by some people and they had a particular symbol on their clothes, mm-hmm. you know, and something alluding to the crimson dark, like oh, what's that? And there's not enough information on the on the letter to to incriminate anything, but then he could be the way into getting on that quest line to return mm. to Magfell and take him out, avenge yeah. Marth. That's, That's the one. cool. That's it. That's the the subplot, and it could just be a throwaway NPC. It could just be that you need to go here and do the thing, and you chuck in sheriff of this outlaw frontier town or whatever. But I think mm. I like to put a little bit of spice in when we do sessions like this. 
brilliant. You've now mm. got an entire that's more than just side quest. That's an entire like story arc. Well, I think that's worth doing. I like it when we when we think about how you could you could build it out because obviously like, there's no you don't need to like you can no. keep it small, but you've got the backstory in your back pocket if they do take an interest, and you've got a way to take it forward as well. Like you mm. could even have say they say they don't warm to Andy, say they're not keen. You know, um, they part ways, but. It just so happens that the crim the crimson darky are are bad guys that the party's going to come across more often. So he turns up again, yeah. you know. And yeah. you can have that sort of like, we don't like each other, but we're going to work together when you know it suits us. I don't like your tone, but you get results. It's like, oh, you're here again. Thunk thunk. And here's <laughs> here's some buffing because that's what I do. They're constantly like bitching and bantering at each other as they're taking out this common foe. Yeah, you know, your party's like firing quips back and forth, giving him stick when he's healing them with Woody quotes. <laughs> oh, you could like allude to that, like you know, like he's it's very existential. You know, it's like, do you ever feel that existence is just a great game? <laughs> and they're like, you know, the, the players are thinking like, oh yeah, D and D, like, you know, we're the gods play things, and he's actually just having an existential moment about you know mortals in a world where gods you are have a god's almighty power. Play thing, yeah. <laughs> Or like the, he's rescued a, a child who is about to go down the path. You are a boy, B O Y, boy. <laughs> uh, you got to work them in. You got to work a few of them in. Yeah, I don't think it's it's not it's not a heavily veiled um, reference. <laughs> Once you've described all the things and everyone realizes, oh for goodness sake! But I don't know. I think you could make it really subtle if you make if you like describe him as like incredibly gruff. Like yeah, he's got like. Uh, a bit of a, a stubbly beard, like, you know, maybe he's got a pipe, you know, like, he, he looks older than he is, you know, like, bags under his eyes, but then, yeah, he's pretty tall and gangly and, and has, like, a little jacket. <laughs> and he runs like an absolute moron. <laughs> his arms wail, but... <laughs> but you describe it as, like, he runs his arms flailing behind him, and you can imagine, like, the Naruto run or something. Yeah. So it's, it's like, no, it's not that. But it's it, they're flailing, as if no skeletal construction whatsoever. <laughs> oh. right. outstanding! That is that is the person. That is the that's how I would run an order's main cleric. I love it. We've done so well. That's so cool. I like the city. I like this little church we've built. I like Marfi. Marfi is fantastic. I mean, he's a robot, so I love him. But like, <laughs> that's great with the backstory. Ooh, ooh, one question. Mm-hmm. So his parents are still alive. We said. Uh, yeah. Did Andy get away entirely? Like the the focus was all on Marfi, mm. or are the crime syndicate hunting Andy still, or does he think they are? He thinks he can't show his face in town because he isn't good enough. He hasn't. He hasn't completed his course he hasn't you know officially been promoted or you know he hasn't he hasn't made that rank in his mind even though his capabilities far outstrip the the training he had at that point maybe he gets trained to like level two but (laughs) yeah you're now one of us and he's actually level six by the time your party comes along and meets him or whatever so yeah he, he is sort of powerful beyond his training because of his devotion to the cause and he hasn't he just hasn't realized that by sticking to the to the doctrines he has progressed down that path because he's just got this mental this emotional block so i i let my mentor down 
I didn't get the official thumbs up from Marf. Mm. So I'm not what he wanted me to be yet. Mm. His family are almost a a complete he hasn't he hasn't thought about them in that time because he's been so devoted. As soon as he got yeah. picked up, he was like my parents were not doing me good things. I have left them behind. I've fallen in line with this mentor who's set me on the straight and narrow and given me purpose and discipline and a future. So you could work in the parents for some emotional knife twisting in the future. Mm, but they haven't been a focus for his character development since he um, fell in with Murphy. Okay, cool. So they're not that. So he, and he's not being pursued then. So he's just like he's just doing his thing out like away from town, like the frontier, or out, away from the city. Sorry, in the frontier towns. Yeah. And that's his gig and his spiel. And he's partly then is that he's just not facing up to his, his ultimately his responsibility that he should yeah. book up his ideas, head back to town, redemption arc. Yeah, and he's very much in the opinion if he were to go back to Magfall that. Not this face would be on wanted posters, but the Crimson Darkie would would hear that he'd come back into town and would then be after him. But at the minute, they're not pursuing him actively because he's not a thorn in their side directly. He ran off ten years ago. You know, no one's heard. Yeah, of him. yeah, he's yesterday's news. Yeah. Okay. So the party seeing him beat up some thugs would get a bit of his spiel, mm-hmm. and then they have the option then to say, "Hey, we can help you sort that out. That crime sounds bad. We should stop that." Yeah, we are not fans of crime. We're going to Magfell anyway. We want to do other crime. <laughs> and they're getting in the way of our crime. <laughs> we have specific crimes that are permissible to a point. Those guys are stealing all the crime. <laughs> you literally said all the crime. <laughs> Leave some for the rest of us. I want in on that action. Give me some of that crime. You're spilling crime all over the place. <laughs> Paladin, download your steed. Let's go. <laughs> Right, I think we've reached a point. Uh, yeah, we've descended into farsitude. Yeah, we we got a lot out of that. Yeah, I think we've we've really wrung out our character pretty dry at this point. But that's how I run an order domain cleric NPC um, with fully fleshed out backstory and opportunity for entire story arcs backed in there. So thanks for workshopping that with me. It was really good fun. I re- yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I said at the start as a class that I want to play, and now I just want to do it a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> if you need me to kill your fighter, let me know. I like him too. Can I just can I just like play more games of Dungeons and Dragons? Like, can we just invent days of the week so I can stick more games in? We should have like yeah, backburner campaign for one shot character ideas or something. But I mean, yes, yes, the opportunity to do more. But at the same time, I'm just gonna get too attached to them. You're right. I need more days in the week. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, I'm going to stop talking about Sheriff Andy Woodruff, and I'm going to instead offer you the opportunity to do a week's worth of research on the topic of recurring villain, but not the big bad one. How would you run that? A recurring low-level villain? Yes. Okay. Oh, that's difficult. Have a think about you. You've got the idea that you want to bring in a a recurring low-level villain that semi-frequently bothers your party. How, as a DM, would you run that? How would you put that together, and how would you plan out their interactions? 
I... Ooh. Yeah, okay. I've got, I've got it. I've got something. Mm. I think the big... I mean, we can talk about it next week, but the biggest stumbling block I'm getting is sort of like a first thing to think about is what's stopping the party from killing this person the first time they see them? Like, how do I make them recurring? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Divide them by an, an irrational number or something. So, yeah, a recurring low-level villain. How would you run that? That is a great question. I will find <laughs> out and I'll let you know next week. Excellent. And for anyone that's made it to the end of this podcast, thank you very much once again for listening. Um, please do like, subscribe, comment, interact with this podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast, be that Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor FM, or literally anywhere else these days. If you have the time and inclination and you are listening on the Anchor platform, it'd be great if you could also leave us a voice note. There's a big purple button on there that lets you record a short note to us, and if there's anything worth talking about, we'll bring it into the podcast in future editions. So I guess with that, all that remains is for me to say thank you for listening and Lucas. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. <laughs>